There are many places that think themselves beyond my reach, that think themselves forgotten. There are holes and high-rises, caves of wire and pipes and machine that rest in the heart of this city. And I know them. There are tangled walkways and ropes and shifting water that twist the mind and call to those that wish to be lost. And I see them. No one is ever lost in these walls. At least, not to me. I can see every person on every train. I can see all those that toss themselves to the waves, and I can see those that think that they have disappeared. No one is ever truly lost in satellite. And I do not mean that as a statement of hope. I mean it only as fact. If you are within these walls, I know where you are. I know what you're doing. I know you. Only those foolish enough to chase the horizon are beyond me, and they matter not. The only thing toward the horizon is death. A plunge into the abyss, a disappearance of the utmost finality Citizens have no need to worry about this. Citizens have no need to worry about being lost. You are not lost. You are simply overlooked. This was a new bar that Elle had found and rapidly became obsessed with. She developed a new preference for bars that had bands playing so loud you almost couldn't hear each other. Either she was getting deeper into something, or she liked having to shout. We sat next to each other, leaning close to hear the other person without having to torture our voices. The engineer? That's what people call him? Yeah, I think he made it up himself. You know what they say about people who make their own nicknames. The guy is an asshole, Jack. I just don't know what to say to get through to him. Sometimes you just can't get someone to care with words, Elle. Mm, mm. It's not that he doesn't care. He just, ugh, he thinks that his way is the only way to do things and that he's always right and that- Sounds like someone else I know. What? I'm not like that. Elle, yesterday you argued with me about what my favorite color was. Well, it is obviously maroon. It really isn't. You don't even- We're not doing this again. <sighs> How's that case going? Slowly. We know the guy's face, we know his voice, but every time we get close, he gets away. I don't know how he does it. I thought for sure we had him the last time. After the morgue thing? A month ago? A little longer than that, but yeah. Still, somehow he caught wind of us coming and didn't show up to the sting. What, is there an inside man, like, on the wasps? That's what I've been thinking, but I haven't brought it up to Smith yet. Why not? It's kind of a touchy subject, don't you think? Hey, Smith, remember how you just started trusting me a little again? What if I accused your fellow officers of being involved with a horrific serial killer that cuts up people for parts? Alright, yeah, that doesn't exactly sound great. We sat for a moment, 
Me caught up in my thoughts and Elle caught up in her drink when I noticed an electric yellow mohawk making its way toward us across the dance floor. Is that Johnny? It looks like. Hey, hey Johnny! Johnny, come sit with us! Johnny's head swiveled toward us and a look of relief crossed his face as he dodged through the crowd and collapsed, all limbs and heavy size, next to me in the booth. Hey Elle. Jack. What's up, Johnny? Yeah, you look a little rough. Thanks, Jack. I can always count on you to point that kind of thing out. Well, you do. You had any luck? Nah. With what? Don't worry, Johnny. I'm sure you'll figure it out. I don't know, Elle. I don't have a ton of hope. Don't have hope about what? Oh, don't One talk One of you like... better tell me what's going on or I am flipping this table. Shit. Sorry, Jack. It's just... I've been trying to find some people lately. Actually, yeah, I should have come to you early. I mean, I know you're not big on the 1210 stuff, but this is only sideways to that. About what? Well, can I have a minute? Yeah, sure thing, Johnny. I'll be over at the bar. We've got some people missing. Good kids. Train riding kids? Yeah, but- Johnny, I don't- Jack, listen to me. Yeah, they might be on the train, but they aren't missing because of their tickets. I was helping one of them get straight. All right, Johnny. How many kids you looking for? What are they recovering from? A few people, about four have gone missing. Some of them recovering from the more mild stuff. Some bouncing back from the scaled monster. Some still in the teeth of it. I haven't been able to find them at the usual haunts. Haven't been able to get them on the phone. Nothing. How do you know they didn't just wander off to die? Come on, Jack. These are good people. People like Maya. <sighs> I... I know. I'm sorry. Can you help? Yeah, I can help. You got any pictures? Any information on where they were last seen? I'll message you the photos. They're all kind of a group of friends, doc kids. I know that they were last seen with a peddler- A peddler or a scaler? Not sure. But I know that this one, Tisha Ray, was crashing with him. The photo he showed me was of a girl with fading green, scaled skin crawling up her neck. A bright smile, dyed, close-cut hair. I know where the other kids lived. Tisha moved around a lot, so I'm not sure on her. Well, that seems as good a place to start as any. Would you mind if I tagged? I don't want to impose, but these kids, they mean a lot to me. That's fine, Johnny. Might be nice to have company for a while. Thanks, Jack. Sure thing. Meet me tomorrow at the office. We'll head out from there.
Johnny made quite the sight standing on the sidewalk the next morning, hair lying flat along his skull except for a section of it that was rolled up at the front into a tight cylinder. How do you get it to stay like that? Friend of mine has a hair care line. Ah, sure. Runs it out of his apartment. Of course. Good stuff. Might have some glue in it, but I've never had problems washing it out. Glue? Yeah, some kind of it. Well... We paused for a moment, and I took a sip of my coffee. Sometimes I struggled with what to say to Johnny. I always got the feeling he was playing a game that he was the only one in on. Like he was playing chess with himself, and you just happened to be sitting across from him. Anyways, you ready to knock on some doors? Yeah, always thought it'd be interesting to be a private investigator. Sometimes. Most of the time it's taking photos of cheating spouses or telling people that their missing kid is dead. Sheesh. Sorry. Just, you know, the truth of it recently. You setting me up for another one of those cases, Johnny? Hope not. But you won't have parents to tell either way. Orphans? Duck kids. Half of them don't know their parents and most of the rest of them don't have any worth a damn. Never spent much time on the docks. Most people don't, unless they got a reason. Well, I guess I'll get to spend some quality time there now. Lead the way. The train ride to the docks was sparsely populated. Johnny sat beside me, answering message after message that seemed to flow in nonstop. I thought my phone rang off the hook, but after watching him, I found myself grateful. The docks themselves were a part of the city that I rarely found myself in. To be fair, I infrequently ventured out of my district if I could help it. There was plenty of business to be found right where I was, and when you went further east and further south, there was only ever trouble. I talked with Delilah about it a little, since she came from the furthest south you could get without swimming, but she wasn't fond of reliving those memories. From what I heard about the area, I couldn't blame her. The docks was largely a warehouse and crocodile district. The place was practically teeming with the stuff. It was right on the border of the MV-18 and the Dead Men, so it was constantly in a state of shifting battlegrounds and allegiances, but most of the longtime residents almost seemed not to notice anymore. There was a distant sound of slow-moving water, the occasional washing of a wave against the wall that protected satellite from the ocean. The streets seemed to be constantly plagued with puddles, and even upper satellite didn't venture this far leaving the lower docks bare to the sky. Somehow, it felt just as dark as the lower streets we'd left behind. The people had built their own tiered system, of a sort, with buildings climbing to the sky like poorly stacked blocks that a toddler had kicked over. There were bridges from one building to another, strung haphazardly between levels and connecting structures that didn't seem to have any reason to be. 
The place was a maze, the likes of which I hadn't seen before, and I found myself really hoping that it didn't come down to any kind of chase through these narrow, miserable streets, foot or vehicle. Just enough water was collected here to be able to move cargo from here down to the Tallahassee area. It was mostly used for transporting the things that no one wanted to declare officially. The train system had gotten too regulated for a lot of people, even the senators. The first two houses were not only a bust, but in such bad condition, I'm not sure if I could have found anything in them even if there was something to find. We approached the third house, a ramshackle townhome that leaned sideways and definitely housed another family in the basement. No worries. I think I still have a key. I pretended not to notice him pull out a small drill and instead lit my pipe and took a deep breath over the soft sound of metal shaving metal. Look at that. You know it still fit. Sure, Johnny. Real legal. You always do things legal, Jack? I'm a PI. What's legal for me isn't always legal for you. Yeah, whatever. <sighs> what? Look, I'm not saying that I expect a place to be spotless. God knows I certainly don't live in an impeccable home. But damn it, can't just one of these places be even kind of, I don't know, not disgusting? They're kids. Disgusting kids. My mom would have had my head if I'd left a place like this. Yeah? Yeah, it's whatever. The earnestness in Johnny's voice had caught me off guard, and I sheepishly began to look around. It's not that I didn't like Johnny, or didn't trust him, or didn't anything, I guess. In fact, I really considered him one of my friends. I just didn't spend a lot of time with him on the ground. He worked for me on the regular, but that was mostly basic runner business, and he was the best runner in the game. I'd say that this place looks like it's been robbed, or that no one's been here for a while, but I really can't get a read. There are leftovers that are sitting out, definitely bad, and the whole apartment has a musty smell, but... Yeah, that's just the water up the docks. Makes everything smell like mold. Great. I searched through the rooms, listening to someone fight on the floor below us. Like the last houses that we'd been to, nothing stood out to me. Nothing that stood out as out of place. Nothing that snagged my attention or screamed at me that something had gone awry. I don't know, Johnny. This doesn't really look hopeful. Based on the last few homes, I'm gonna go ahead and guess that we're going to come up empty. There's gotta be something, right? There's always something. Contrary to the movies, no, there isn't always something. I dropped the pile of synth papers I held onto the table with a sigh, which cascaded into a separate pile of papers, which knocked over a can, and all of the cascade ended with a separate pile of papers on the other side of the table swooshing down onto the floor. Damn it. I bent to pick them up and noticed a flashy digital card, an invitation that a lot of the more exclusive parties used to make sure that only particular people were allowed inside. I stood up, holding the hollow vite by the edges and watching the digital woman displayed above it dance robotically. She wore thigh-high stockings, a leather jacket with nothing underneath, 
and had a half-shaved head covered in tattoos. An invitation to a party at the Abyss popped up. Looks like it had been about a week ago. What you got? A party invite. Seen anything like it? Yeah, I've been to a few parties like that. Any idea what kind of party this was? A fun one, by the looks of it. If it's the only thread connecting three missing people, I don't know if fun is the word I would use. Fair enough. I don't know exactly what kind of party, but I know Kira. If she was involved in the planning, which it looks like she probably was, then it was wild. Probably held at her bar down Dockside. Maybe we should talk to Kira then. See how this party shaped up. Yeah. Yeah, sure. But we can't talk to her like this. What's that mean? It means you can't go talk to her dressed like that. Kira's all about appearances, Jack. And you... well... Well, what? You give off a particular uptight vibe. Maybe it's the shoes. You keep my shoes out of this. All right, all right. Still, you gotta trust me. Fine. How do I change my vibe? We change your clothes and hope it's enough. The Abyss was a nightclub not too far away from the docks. It was a simple, black brick building with an ornate, ancient-looking metal lantern hung outside the door. The light within it made it flicker like a flame. It cast a dim light that didn't even come close to illuminating the mouth of the alley that continued past the building, disappearing into two sudden sharp turns that I lost sight down almost the moment that they came into view. I was wearing black leather boots, a jacket that I borrowed from Johnny that was a little too tight in the shoulders, and a t-shirt with a band logo on it that I was completely unfamiliar with. Johnny fist-bumped the bouncer, who looked at me only slightly incredulously, before he stepped aside, opening the door for us to enter into the gloomy atmosphere of the waiting bar. The first hallway that we entered was lined with a wood-like paneling, and while I couldn't quite catch the music that was playing, I could feel the pulsing beat of the bass vibrating the strange, older photos that were hung in the entryway. Johnny didn't pause, hanging a hard left and spinning around a corner fast enough that I didn't have time to fully take in the different photos on the wall. There was one of an old man with crazy eyes and an even wilder mustache, a woman in a stiff dress with a high collar, an old black train, a framed photo of a broken lantern. They disappeared behind me as I pushed through a thick black velvet curtain and into the club proper. It would have been just as dark as the passage we had taken if not for the blinding lights that occasionally flared up on the stage where a band was just starting their set. There was a group of people gathered around the front of the stage, passing something around between them. It took me a moment before I realized that it was Crocodile, and just as the bile began to rise in my throat, I ran full into Johnny. Stare. I'm trying to get the lay of things, Johnny. If people are already doing crocodile before the band even gets swinging, then I can only imagine what the actual party here must have been like. You probably would have hated it. I'm aware. Come on. Kira's at the bar. Let's get in and get out before things get too busy. Good idea. We walked up to the bar where a short woman with her hair pulled into two tight space buns stood with a smile. She watched us approach all dark eyes and white teeth. 
She splayed her hands on the bar top and leaned forward, arching a pierced eyebrow with a look between a smirk and a grimace. What can I get you, Johnny? Hey, Kira. I just had a few questions. Now, Johnny, you know the rules. You only stay if you're dancing or drinking, and this band isn't worth dancing to yet. All right, all right. I'll get the usual. And your friend? His friend will have a diesel fuel. Neat. All right, I can do that. What are you looking for? A couple of people came to a party held here a few days back. I pulled the invite from my pocket. She barely glanced at it before looking at the photos that Johnny produced of the missing people. I could see the set of her shoulders change slightly, but her face stayed neutral. Oh, honey, I don't rat. We think they're in trouble. Eh, what kind of trouble? Serious. Haven't seen them in a while kind of trouble. Mm, they dot kids? Yeah. That happens sometimes. Sure, the docks also have some of the highest missing person rates in the city. Also some of the highest murder rates, and crocodile overdoses, and flesh trade. What's your point? My point is that the people that go missing aren't usually coming back. We're trying to make sure that these kids aren't some of them. Fine. Fine. Yeah, they were here. They were here. Danced for a while, took a few bites, paid their tab, left. I didn't keep an eye on them, it was a busy night. Any idea where they might have headed? No, but Carrie might. He was bouncing that night. He's scheduled to start soon, so you might be able to catch him before a shift. Mm, he's over there. Tall guy with ink and the red rag. Thanks, Kira. Sure, Johnny. The man she had pointed out to us stood almost a good foot over me. He was bald with a red bandana tied around his wrist and a shirt that matched the one Johnny had let me borrow. He grinned as he saw us approach. Hell yeah, the killer bees! Did you see them here last week? Unfortunately, no. I, um, couldn't make it. You missed out! It was a wild ride! <laughs> yeah, well, isn't it always? You know it! Are you Carrie? Yeah, you a friend of Kira's? I saw you up at the bar. We go back. She said you might be able to help us out. What you need? Do you remember these kids? They were at the party last week and haven't been seen since. Yeah, yeah. I remember this one in the red. She had this wicked mod that made her hair change colors to the beat of the music. Sick. Right? Do you remember what direction they went when they left? Yeah, they mentioned something about heading to a diner nearby. Took off down the street, heading towards the docks. I don't know that it was anything, but... Well, shortly after they left, this weird-looking guy followed them. Weird how? He was just a strange guy. A real lurker. He followed them out of the bar, sulking around in this long, dark coat. Like an overdone stalker in a movie, dude. I didn't know for sure if he was following them specifically, but uh, I don't know. I just didn't like his vibe, you know? He headed in the same direction, down the street, but I lost sight of him all pretty quickly. Get any kind of look at the guy? Not really. He was ducked down, kind of hunched over. He seemed like he could have been older, maybe balding. He was definitely thin, but that's all I really got. Any idea what the diner they were heading to was? 
there's a few places down that way, but they were probably going to the Beetle House. It's kind of a punk theme. Dark lighting, killer food. Open only from midnight to 6 a.m. Highly exclusive. Yeah, another place. Figures. Thanks for your help. Best of luck finding them. Probably going to need it. Why do you say that? People go missing on the docks all the time. If they've been missing since the party, they're either at the bottom of the ocean or they're heading toward the horizon. Carrie was right about the Beetle House. We rolled in just after midnight and the place was already full. It took Johnny several minutes to be able to even make it to the booth, since he was stopped about every two feet by someone who knew him or wanted to buy him a drink. Sheesh, Johnny. How do you even know this many people? Ride the train. Yeah, right. You should try sometime. <laughs> who do you think we should talk to? Johnny pulled his phone from his pocket, opening it to take another look at the photos and laying it down on the table. Maybe the staff? They don't have a bouncer here. You want to ask all the waiters? There's no reason these kids would be on the run, right? Other than riding the train, that is. Because if they are on the run, then it might not be smart to be asking around after them indiscriminately. I don't think they're on the run. Think they're headed toward the horizon? I hope not. What does that even mean? It's taking off out of the walls, heading over the water toward the horizon. People do that? Sometimes. People that are done with here and thinking that maybe they can find something better. Like maybe something exists out there. So, fools. People that are broken. If there's one thing I know for sure, it's that everyone in this city is broken. You still gotta fight. Yeah, well, most people weren't raised by two-step, Jack. A lot of people are just tired. You fight, though, don't you? You and everyone you ride with. Yeah. But us, Jack, you, me, and the 1210, we're the exceptions. Hello, what can I get for you? The waitress appeared suddenly at our table. Black hair tied up in a messy bun, somewhat frazzled looking even though it was the start of her shift. She looked tired, her eyes slightly puffy, lips chapped and bleeding in one place like she had been chewing on them. Yeah, I'll get the show done. You have coffee? Yeah, the non-alcoholic drinks are listed here. Great. I'll have the... sleep when I'm dead, I guess. Sounds good. The waitress bent forward to grab our menus, her eyes dropping down to Johnny's phone that currently sat, photo shining, on the table. Her gaze lingered for a few moments, and she glanced between the two of us before clutching the menus to her chest and disappearing into the crowd. Right. We should get questioning. It'll take a little while to get anything from the kitchen. This place ain't known for being fast. Sounds good. I'll take the left side of the restaurant, you take the right? Roger that, detective. Don't call me that. Roger that, investigator. I sighed and slid out of the booth. Time to annoy some waiters.
No luck. Nah, you? Nope. I did manage to annoy a number of staff, though. Couldn't really get any of them to talk to me. Same. Any other ideas? Hopefully not. My staff have jobs and I'm going to have to ask you to both stop interfering with them. The man that had approached was wearing black dress pants with a neon red blazer, had his hair done half black and half white, and was wearing eye makeup so dark that at first I thought he'd been punched in the face. Who are you? Clock heads. The manager? The owner. You hang around here often? What did I just say about- You said not to pester your staff. You didn't say anything about you. Do you know any of these people? The one in the middle there? That's one of my employees. Why, are you looking for her? Have you noticed her missing? I assume that she was on a bender or something. Is Tisha in trouble? It was at that moment that our waitress returned, depositing Johnny's food and my drink, giving the owner a pained look at the sound of the missing girl's name. Whatever. Look, it doesn't matter. I need you to stop bothering my staff. Enjoy your food and leave. Excuse me. I've gotta... gotta go. Wait. Do you... do you know Tiersha? I... I... I've seen that look on your face. I know that you recognize someone in the picture. Please, we're trying to find her, but we don't have any leads on where she could be. Yeah, I know her. Look, could you... can you just hang around until after my shift? He gets mad if we talk with patrons for too long. We can wait. I get off at six. Do you need anything in the meantime? Yeah, a whole lot more coffee. Johnny and I sat for the remaining hours of the night, watching the people come and go, ordering whatever weird food we chose randomly from the menu, talking of nothing much until we lapsed into a comfortable, tired silence. It was in this almost trance-like state that the waitress found us, sliding into the booth next to us as the final patrons began to trickle out. All right, let's hear it. Sure. Um, thanks for waiting. Of course. You said you had some information for us? Yeah, Tiersha and I are good friends. And I haven't seen her in a while. I went to the Wasps with this, but they told me that they'd look into it, and then I never heard anything else. It's okay. Show us what you have. Hey, Claire. I'm, um, there's someone following me, I think. I, I wanted to call in the hopes that he'd leave me alone once I got to the phone, but, but he hadn't stopped yet. I, I don't know who else to call. No one else is picking up. The rest of them, my friends, I... Don't know where they are or or what happened. They sort of disappeared one by one, and I, I I'm only a few blocks from my house, but but I can't call the cops. I just visited a scaler, and they'll bust me for sure. Please, Claire, pick up. I, oh, Redeemer, I lost sight of him. He's he's skinny and he's wearing black, and I. <laughs> I should have picked up, but I was working and- This isn't your fault. Hey, hey, listen to me. I know it's hard, okay? But it's not your fault. 
Where was the last place Tirsha was staying? A few blocks from here. A rundown place on the corner by the pillars. I can can show it to you on a map if if that would help. I'd do anything to help. That would be very helpful. Okay, I'll show you. Let me see your phone. This is it. Thanks, Claire. Yeah, um... Can you let me know what you find out? No matter what it is. Yes. Of course. She gave one final look over her shoulder at me, her eyes large, wounded, before she spun on her heel, arms hugging herself, and disappeared into the back of the restaurant. Tiersha's house was empty, cold and bare, with a door lock that was sticky and hard to open and no real windows to speak of. It was obvious that, though she had a place to stay, she preferred to be somewhere else. I couldn't really blame her. There was a constant dripping noise, a leak in the roof that the runoff from the houses above her took advantage of, running a continuous stream of water into a now overflowing bucket. Based on how damp the carpet was around it, She'd been gone for a while. Looks like Tisha hasn't been around. The ground is sobbing. Yeah. Uh, I'm not confident she made it back, Johnny. We might be able to find out. How? What's that? A whistle. It certainly isn't. It's a thing from the 1210. We give them the members that are... Worry. Damn it, Johnny. Jack, it'll help. It's a camera disguised as a doorbell. Records everything that happens within ten feet of it. I sighed. I had been up for going on 24 hours at this point, and I could feel the irritation building in my chest like the headache that was starting to throb in my brain. I think Johnny felt it too. He was moving a little slower, responding with a little more snap to his words than before. You and your fucking train, Johnny. Somebody's gotta fight for the rest of you. No one else will do it. No, somebody's gotta realize how to pick their battles. You can't fight the city. The city wins. I fight for myself. We ain't fighting the city. We're fighting the corruption, the oppression. The That's the city, Johnny. That is satellite. How can you live with that kind of pessimism? With that bleakness just following you around? You have to fight for what you can change. You have to do what you can, where you can, to help others. Yeah, and you can do that way better helping the people that you know. Helping the people that you care about. Helping people one at a time, even if it's for a price, than you can trying to take on a whole system. It's the system that's the problem. It's the system that's unbeatable. Here. All you have to do is plug it into your tablet. I'm done. Johnny... Nah, you've got it from here. Call me if you find something. He emphasized the word if in a way that drove home just how thoroughly I torched this bridge. It was almost like he was saying, otherwise don't talk to me at all. 
Johnny left, the door swinging closed behind him. The fake doorbell curled in my fingers. I stepped outside to begin the walk to the train station, alone. The chill of the wind off the water cut a little deeper through my coat, and I pulled it around me as I went, thinking of the young woman walking home, terrified. A creeping feeling crawled up my back, and I looked around before picking up my pace. If I kept up this shit, I wouldn't have anyone left to call if someone came after me. I crashed hard when I got home and woke up to the sight of Johnny's borrowed jacket dangling off the edge of the bed. Damn it. Damn it. I rolled to my feet, swiping up the whistle Johnny had given me and making my way over to the breakfast bar. I rapid heated a cup of water and ripped open the packet of instant coffee with one hand, spilling grains of it all over the counter while I juggled with my tablet in the other. Shit. Great fucking morning. Good job, Jack. Doing real well. It took me a few tries to get the files off of the whistle, but it finally loaded a black and white, somewhat grainy image. Unlike most of my video watching experiences, sitting on my couch while watching hours of uneventful footage pass by at two times the speed, the whistle only started recording when someone got within range. And this time, it was Tearsha Ray who popped up suddenly. Her face distorted through a fisheye lens as she dashed to the door. Key trembling in her hands, eyes wide, tears in her eyes. That sudden appearance was burned into my brain, sending me back half a step in shock, catching my breath in my throat. She struggled with the lock, her lips moving rapidly as though she was speaking to herself. Please. 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 A man stood on the sidewalk in a long black trench coat. His hand outstretched, some kind of gun clutched in his hand. He moved up the sidewalk, talking into a phone. As he reached the stoop, a black beat-up van pulled up on the street, a couple of people getting out and approaching to help carry Teresha's now limp body back to the van. I paused the video, rewinding the part where the camera was eclipsed. It was probably caused by her falling backwards into the camera after she had been shot. But when she was carried off, there weren't any signs of blood or any obvious wounds, so the gun had to be something more specialized than normal. I could barely make out the plate number on the van, and wasn't too sure about a couple of the numbers, so I wrote down some different variants and called Delilah. Delilah, sorry to call, but... Ain't no need for that. It's no trouble at all. Sure. Okay, but... You alright, Jack? You sound a little gloomy. I'm fine, Delilah. Just, you know, doing what I always do. Working too much. Well... Drinking too much. Hey, that's not... I'm just... 
I got into a bit of a fight with Johnny. Got into a fight with him? Or was an asshole to him? Both. Ah. Uh, that does seem to be a thing you're doing lately. Been a bit prickly at girls' night. At least you've patched up with Smith. Yeah, it only took me a few months. And I know, I'm sorry. Pretty soon I'm gonna have no friends left. Don't overreact. Sure, you pissed off Smith and made Johnny mad, but that's not exactly a ton of people. For most people, but it's almost a third of the people I talk to regularly. Fair point. But you're gonna have to do a lot more than that to scare away any of the sleepless. You know that, right? <laughs> I couldn't scare away any of you if I tried. Mm, you know it. Now what can he do you for? I've got a plate number I was hoping you could run. I'm not exactly sure which of the plates it is because the footage is kind of... bad. But the car is a large black van. Dented. Scratched up pretty good. Yeah, I could take a look. Thanks, Delilah. Anytime, Jack. I hung up, resting the palms of my hands on the counter and looking down at the tablet that was displaying a still of the man in the black coat holding the gun. Alright. Who is this guy? Why bother tracking this girl all the way back to the house? If he was looking for a kidnapping victim, there must have been easier targets. Well, maybe. I guess dockside kids are the easiest to take. Doesn't seem like people really look for them. Let's see. He could have known that she was in the 1210. Seems like the whole group was. And that's why Johnny got involved in the first place. How does Johnny know everyone on the 1210? For as much as I interacted with Johnny professionally, I guess I really didn't know that much about him. Same could probably be said in the reverse. I knew he was a close friend of Elle's, and honestly I considered him a friend of mine. We'd been working together for almost as long as Smith and I. Elle had introduced us back when she was first getting on her thing about trying to recruit me to the cause. It'd been years, and Johnny had barely seemed to change. He was always available, always around, always involved in one thing or another. I'd never really looked into him, given that we were friends, and given the fact that he was in the 1210 hard. I always thought that having some plausible deniability might help me, but now I was beginning to doubt that choice. Why hadn't I ever checked him out, really? What was I worried about what I would find? My phone buzzed loudly on the counter, jolting me away from the mission that I was just starting. Fingers poised over the tablet on the table. It was a message from Smith. Got a lead. Doesn't look hopeful. I'll keep you updated. All the leads were hopeless at this point. I don't know why I still felt disappointed. The counterfeiter case had gone cold as the dead. No new cases, no sightings. Seemed as though he'd gone almost completely underground. It was only a matter of time before he showed up again, but... Him showing up again would mean at least one more body, and his body count was already towering. We almost had him with the morgue situation, but there must have been something or someone that tipped him off. There was no way he should have seen us coming otherwise. I was beginning to doubt the wasps, not Smith, but the others. Smith was one of the few good apples on a rotten tree as far as I was concerned. Hey Delilah, news already? Yeah, well... This one was easy. Turns out that car is in lockup right now. What? You heard me. It's in lockup, at a station closer to the docks. Someone called in, suspicious activity, car abandoned. You know how it is. Anyways, they booked it and brought it in. Why? Not sure. 
But I can give you the info if you want to go check it out. Thanks, Delilah. Of course, Jack. See you Saturday for Sleepless. I called ahead and was greeted by an Officer Brown who checked my credentials, barely, and led me into the dockside wasp lockup. There was the van, painted a chip black with scratched and dents aplenty. The name that was registered under turned out to be a fake. Guy at the address never seen the van before. You believed him? He was blind, so we were inclined to think that he probably wasn't driving around very much. Fair enough. Where did you find it? couple of blocks north of here. I slid open the van door, climbing inside. The back of the van had been gutted, all the chairs torn up, and the metal of the bottom exposed. Was there anything inside? Yeah, there was some evidence of some blood and some needles. Probably crocodile. Any ideas who it could belong to? The car? The blood. Oh, not yet. Set enough to get those run, but we likely won't see those results for a while. They're a little backed up there nowadays. Seems to be part of the theme around here. What? Nothing. Can you notify me when you get the results back? (laughs) Sure. Don't hold your breath, investigator. Thanks. Can you give me directions to where you found the van in the first place, then? It wasn't too long before I found myself standing on the sidewalk in a nondescript area of the docks. Apparently the van had been found parked here, and wasps had done some canvassing of the area, and no one within a couple of blocks of this location had made a note of the van before. Not that it necessarily meant anything, but if I was doing something super illegal, I probably wouldn't park the evidence on my block either. With no leads and nothing but guilt really driving me, I set off, walking in a slowly widening loop through the streets. It was about an hour later when I was starting to seriously consider calling Johnny, even though I was hoping to be able to hand him this case on a platter to make up for our fight, that something caught my eye. In the gutter, buried partially under a poster announcing some party or new bar opening or something of the like, was a flash of something shiny. I kicked aside the trash and bent down putting on a glove and carefully picking up a white card with a photo that was far too recognizable for comfort. Shit. Tiersha's face looked up at me from the license, which I sighed heavily and pocketed. I was standing on a street that changed gradually from ramshackle housing to warehouses. I turned my back on the twisting streets of homes and looked into the sprawling grid of large buildings dock workers moving about with their heads down, groups of people gathered in the shadows and vanishing down the alleys. This feels like an idiot's gamble. Despite the feeling of hopelessness that settled in my gut, I took off into the district. There was no way I was just going to happen upon the right building, but if it was a building being used exclusively for kidnappings or murders or whatever, It would most likely be the one that people weren't going in and out of as much, or one with guards, or one that was locked. I tried the doors of a few different buildings, accidentally walked into a few shipping storage places that I was promptly escorted out of, and wasted another several hours of the day. 
It was getting on toward dinner time before I caught sight of a building tucked back and out of the way of the main streets. High windows that were inaccessible from the rooftops around it. A single garage door and no signs of life. Might as well. I slid up to it from the side, trying the door, which was locked. I knelt down so that the lock was eye level, digging into my pockets for the lock picks, but stopped. This lock was no ordinary lock. This was beefy, much stronger than the locks on the other warehouses around here seemed to be. They looked newly installed, the handle shiny, though the door was slightly rusted. No scarring on the lock from failed unlocking attempts. You don't want to go in there without the wasps. I stood up, spinning quickly to face the scratchy, lilting voice behind me. The man who leaned against the opposite warehouse, a good distance across the alley, was wearing a brown shirt with patches all over it, a darker brown, worn but sturdy-looking coat, and a hat tamped down over his head with one ear flap up and the other down over his cheek. He had a layer of stubble and bright eyes that darted back and forth, scanning the alleyway, occasionally darting to the roof, and back to me. At first I was worried, given the bouncer's description, but this man didn't quite have the build of the man I had seen in the video, and there was something almost disarming about him that I couldn't quite put my finger on. He reminded me a bit of Johnny in that regard. Why do you say that? Trust me. I don't usually trust strangers I meet in alleyways. I don't like the word stranger. I'm just a traveler. A tramp about. A, a train rider? Not in the sense I think you might be using it. How am I using it? <laughs> oh, a clever one. What do you know about this warehouse? Not a ton. I know they cart things in and cart other things out. Was one of those things this girl? A friend of yours? Friend of a friend. Hate to tell you, but that girl you're looking for is long dead. I saw them cart her in here. She was dead then, and she was extra dead when she left. What? She... left in pieces. She... she what? Don't know why you're green? This kind of thing happens. What do you mean? What I said. People only take interest in things that affect them, but people have been going missing from the docks for years. Sometimes they turn up, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they get cut up into pieces? Why would they cut her into... into pieces? Seems like you might have answered your own question there. I stared down at the ground, rubbing my forehead. Could this be another flesh trade case? Could the counterfeiter have just disappeared down here? I thought back to the man on the video. It had been blurred, sure, but was he the right height? The right build? I dug through the photos on my phone until I got to the photo we'd drawn up of the counterfeiter. Did... did any of them look like this? Yeah. Yeah, I remember him. It was him and some big fella, and a few other security types. They've been in and out semi-frequently over the last few weeks, maybe. People on the docks take notice of people like them. They reek. I froze. My heartbeat the only thing that I could hear. 
I looked back at the photo on my phone, my hands beginning to shake. The counterfeiter, so close, again. It seemed like every string led back to him. No matter what case I took, the road ended at his feet, just before vanishing like fog when the train rolled in. I wasn't much for religion, or faith, or fate. I wasn't one that flocked to the church, that believed that the Redeemer guided my step, or that the doves watched over me. There were people, deep in the heart of Satellite, that worshipped the city like a god, that claimed that the streets always took you where you needed to go, that the train system was sentient, the city all-knowing. I didn't believe that either. I did, however, believe that this time, this time I would find him. I heard the footsteps and looked up to see the man walking away, starting to disappear into the maze of alleys. Hey, wait, what did you see when they pulled up? Who was the- Why do you want to help? What? Why do you want to help? No one helps the docks but the docks folk. Pick a reason. A friend of a friend is a friend. Or I'm getting paid. Or- You feel some kind of responsibility? Or some kind of guilt. All right. All right. Let's get moving. Not a fan of the dark? Ain't nobody a fan of the dark on the dark side. What's your name? Jack Hart. You? Call me Frederick. That's almost an upper name. Yeah. Maybe. Come on. Where are we headed? The only place that might know what to do. The only place that might have someone who knows what to do. Where's that? The brine market. A special thank you goes out to our Kickstarter patrons, M. Simmons, Elvin M., Ruth McCown, Jake Berquist, and Fact Dude. The name Kira Spud was submitted by Ruth McCown and is a fun mashup of a special kid she nannies and her very special pup. Heartbeat Podcast is written and produced by Aaron Bentley and sound engineered by Bella Bongiorno. Jack Hart was voiced by Rebecca Austin and Johnny was voiced by Levi Austin. Elle was voiced by KB Kern and Kiara Spud and Delilah were voiced by Claudia Richburg. Carrie the Bouncer was voiced by Justin Kern and Claire was voiced by Jaden Brummond. Clark Heads and Officer Brown were voiced by Logan Soto, and Tiersha Ray was voiced by Ali Soretto. Officer Smith and Frederick were voiced by Jace Flanagan. Background music was written and produced by Veronica and by Nate Kuhn. If you want to hear more, follow the links in the show notes to their SoundClouds. You can also keep up to date with us on our blog at heartbeatpodcast.com, and follow us for updates and extra content at Heartbeat Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you for listening, and may you all bask in the glory of Satellite.